0: You can't do it by yourself you can't do it all and so yes i think that's a perfect perspective to be able to say you know what i'm contributing something good to the community out there when i enlist people to help me it's not just i need to do it all myself it's like well how what else can i do let me use my resources to create good in other arenas especially if it's stuff that frankly i i just don't have the time to do it and i can't do it all by myself
1: Hello, welcome. We are so glad you are with us. I'm Jill Farmer, one of the co-lead coaches at docworking.com, joined by the other co-lead coach, Gabriella Dennery, MD. And today we are going to be talking about why physicians have a hard time getting stuff done when they are at home. And I know both Gabriella and I have heard from our physician clients that sometimes it feels frustrating for them because they'll say, I have all these things I wanted to get done on the weekends and I never seem to get to it. So what I see, and I'll I'll be interested to hear what you, if you have this experience too, what I see all the time with my physician clients, Gabriella is that they'll tell me, oh, I'm not getting anything done on the weekend. And I'll say, well, what are you trying to do? And they'll have this list that is literally a mile long. Yard work, sorting out the attic, sorting out the basement, cleaning out the garage and cleaning my house, cooking incredibly perfect gourmet meals for the next week. And I'll say, and you're doing all of this yourself. And they say, well, of course I can, I can do all those things. (laughs) I can write leaves. And what I notice is there's this often disconnect between things that you can do when you're a physician and whether or not you should be doing them, whether that's the best and highest use of your time for your overall care and your whole person to help fuel the work that you want to do in the world. Um, because I notice a pattern often that my physician clients feel like they should be able to do everything themselves. Am I just observing this in a vacuum or do you see it often as well? Or oh, did you no, notice that yourself as a physician? <laughs>
0: That's pervasive. My God, I'm not sure why, because maybe it's the training again. It's that neural programming from Mm -hmm. the time we're students into internship, into residency, into into life as an attending physician, that whole way of being and doing gets translated into our day-to-day actions. Yes, I should be able to take care of everything. Everybody comes to me for a decision. I should be able to answer every question that comes my way, et cetera, et cetera. It's that kind of programming that's really hard to undo over time and part of the coaching relationship is starting to really look at that programming and say you know what is this real is this true? Do you have to mow the lawn yourself? Do you have to, 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 to cook the gourmet meal for the entire week? Do you have to do the laundry? Do you have to go grocery shopping? No, really. So it, th- there's no have to. I think mm-hmm. part of the thing that I've bumped into some clients, actually, a, a couple of very busy doctors who have said, this is my favorite line. If I don't take care of it myself, it will not get done. And more Mm -hmm. importantly, Israel, it will not get done or will it get done the way you like it done? Mm -hmm. So that's a different story. If I don't take care of myself, then it won't get done right. (laughs) And it's like, okay, stop right there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right there. How is that working for you so far? Mm -hmm. Well, usually the answer is not at all. It's like, great. Good admission, powerful awareness, fantastic. So why don't we start looking at this list and say, well, what is it that you really absolutely have to do yourself? What do you need to delegate? What can you delegate? And be okay with the fact that everybody will have their own way of getting from point A to point B, and it doesn't have to be your way and your way only, right? You relieve yourself of that stress, because then you don't have to come up with every solution known to man. And can you outsource certain things? I don't understand why in this day and age, somebody's not using Instacart. If you have the resources, do it. Uh, You know, why can't the kid across the street who's trying to make a little bit of pocket money do your lawn? Why, you know, why do you have to clean the gutters? I mean, is that adding value to your time? Unless it's something you find pleasurable and fun and you're outdoors and having a great time breathing fresh air, then that's a different story. But if it's just another part of the to-do list that you can't quite get to then can it be outsourced? Or is there certain things on that list when you do that brain dump and put everything on the list, are there certain things in there that frankly you can just get rid of because you're just not going to get to? Right. So beautiful. Yeah.
1: I love that. I think it's super important. You, you really nailed something. What I hear a lot is it's just easier if I do it myself. And I always reflect that back and say, actually, that's one of the most common lies I hear from my physician clients. What that really interprets what I'm hearing you say is I want to be in control and I'm not sure that I can be totally in control unless I do this myself. And when I really ask them, is it easier if you do it yourself? And the answer usually long-term is no, it's just easier for me to not have to delegate, to not have to worry about whether anybody else is perfect. So I think that's a good thing to challenge. And another thing about trying to do it all ourselves or have physicians trying to do everything themselves is I remember once working with a pediatrician um, and we weren't working on time and stress management issues, which is normally what I work with physicians on. This was a case of kind of trying to decide what's next in the career. And she was telling me how she noticed she was originally from South Africa, And she was a a black woman from South Africa. And she said it was very interesting to her coming to this country because where she came from, her mom was a teacher and her dad was a teacher. They weren't wealthy people, but in their, in the culture, if you had anything, you still hired other people to do things because that was part of the way you showed up in service to the world was to say somebody else's needs this work as a laundry person, as a lawn, as the gardener. And Mm -hmm. so I offload the things that are not part of my vocation, which was teaching in her family, even if we weren't wealthy people. And she says, I come to this country and my co-residents are doing all this stuff. Even though they have money, they won't hire anything done because there's this attitude of, I should be able to do it myself. And she says, isn't there, don't you have something in your culture that says I should be providing these opportunities for other people (laughs) to have this work. And I was like, I love that cultural perspective. And I love that lens reflected back on us in North America um, to understand that we, that this kind of maverick, I can do it all attitude is actually a really non-collaborative community way of living. And so Mm -hmm. I, as a side note that Trying to do it all ourselves, I think it's really interesting to think about our, our whole our whole vision and values, and to see whether that's really needs to be as true as we make it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point, and 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 you know, my family's from Haiti, and uh, that was a, a similar philosophy. You know, my mother, my parents, even if they didn't have a cent to their names when they first came to can you know they emigrated to Canada, that there was always somebody in the house to help. You know, there was somebody coming in to. Uh, My mother would bring in women from Haiti or hire people from Haiti who were Uh, In North America, and bring them in to help support the household. It was a household of six kids, for crying out loud, and uh, so a very busy house. Both my parents are professionals; they were physicians, and and it's like, well, how do I add value to my time? I mean, that really is the question, and contribute something in between, because for many of them, they, uh, my mother paid for schools, for community college, for uh, nursing school. One of them went to nursing school. Her daughter became a doctor. I mean, that was a, a whole lot of good that was created in creating that kind of community, it takes a village to raise uh, a family, it takes a village to raise a doctor, it takes a village to raise a child. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it all. And so, yes, I think that's a perfect perspective to be able to say, you know what, I'm contributing something good to the community out there when I enlist people to help me. It's not just, I need to do it all myself. It's like, well, how, what else can I do? Let me use my resources to create good in other arenas, especially if it's stuff that frankly, I I just don't have the time to do it and I can't do it all by myself. And so it's that switch, Jill, that mm-hmm. at what point does the switch happen to say, I need help? And to be able now. to feel good about asking for support. So someone who comes to coaching clearly have made that switch. They said, you know what? Things are overwhelming. It's too much. I need I need a different perspective here. But th- what's the habit? The habit is I need to take care of it myself. I need to fix it myself. If I'm smart enough. I take care of other people. Then I should be able to do the same for me. And it's like, no, you wouldn't ask your patient to take care of themselves. You know, the patient comes to you to help, to ask for help over certain issues. So it's the same thing with you, doctor. You get to ask, learn this little skill, which it took me years to finally learn and to feel good about it. To ask a question, to ask for support, to say, you know, I don't have all the answers and it's okay. And not just at work, but at home. And that's where it's particular because somehow the idea that you should be able to do everything at work and at home makes absolutely no sense. And so it's like, let me enlist some help here.
1: Yeah, that's really, oh, that is so powerful. I remember once one of my surgeon clients telling me, well, I, you know, I should be able to clean my own house. And I said, well, okay, by the way you're thinking, I should be able to fix my own car, right? I can go to the library, get a book, but it would take me five times longer, no, not five times, 50 times longer to try to fix my car than to take it to the mechanic who does it for a living and is an expert. So why as a surgeon, are you spending your time scrubbing toilets when there's somebody else in the world who who could use that income as an expert at it, probably better at it than you believe believe it or not. Perfect mm-hmm. surgeon. Um, and so thinking about it in those terms. And I think the second point about why physicians sometimes uh-huh. have a hard time getting stuff done at home really connects to things that you and I have both touched on and that's perfectionism, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's that it's, it's like, I can't just do things at, unless it counts. And, and one of my clients used to joke with me that she paid me all kinds of money for me to train her how to stop being such a perfectionist. And so we talk a lot about the 80% rule, right? Or mm-hmm. even I like to say the 55% rule. <laughs> so the 80% rule, and I, I actually talk about this a little bit in my book, as, as it was explained to me by a, a cardiologist client was that in cardiology, often back in the day when the angioplasty were kind of a new procedure, sometimes doctors would go in for perfection. So they'd get 80% clearance and say, no, no, we want to get, you know, 100% clearance. And in the process of trying to make it perfect, sometimes blood vessels were, get blown up. I don't, I'm not the doctor, so I can't give you the exact terminology for that. But I was like, oh, wow, isn't that interesting? The 80% was good enough, but the seeking of perfection actually brought its own issue. And so when we talk about the 80% rule or as Gabriella and I's version, sometimes the 55% rule, we're just saying, can you get off the, it doesn't count unless it's perfect and try dial down and just notice what the outcomes are when you shoot for a percentage that is not a hundred percent and how much more energy you gain back. The other thing you hear about the 80% rule sometimes is that the last 20% to get to perfection takes up a lot of times incrementally a lot more energy than if you would just allow yourself to get it done and be okay with it. What do you have to add to that, Gabriella?
0: Oh, that's exactly right. That's the Pareto principle, right? That, that 80%, exactly. That 20% of your effort will create 80% of the impact. And mm-hmm. 80, if you want to get to that 100%, you're going to have to put in 80% of the effort, just, just get an incremental change. And mm-hmm. is it really worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth your time, your energy? Uh, to get that A plus versus an A or an A minus or a B or a C sometimes, <laughs> is it worth it? Does it add to your life to put in that extra 80% to just get 20% of gain? Mm-hmm. Something Great to point. think about.
1: It often, um, if something is good enough, you that just means you are freeing up time to get to the next thing. And so I really at home try to invite people to play with if, if 100% is perfect, what does 80% look like? What does 70% look like? And then can you practice letting it go at that level?
0: Exactly. And there's so much more impact when you're at, sometimes you need to be at 55%, you know? Mm-hmm. Not everything has to be perfect. And yes, you do free up time and not just time, but energy. You free yes. up your energy. <laughs> you free up your, ah, the ability to just take a breath for crying out loud and not every, and nothing has to be perfect, really, uh, very, very, very few things in life have to be, and it's amazing that we keep chasing that. Why, you know, what what is that? It has to be just right, just right. In whose eyes? In whose opinion? Whose judgment? Yours. Not anybody else's, you know, mm-hmm. yours. And so you're, you're kind of just grasping at straws, really setting up expectations that frankly are way too high and impossible to reach. And it's like, relieve the pressure a little bit, set the right. expectations a little and bit And this more. is a
1: tool that really does work. If you can ask yourself, what does 80% look like? I remember with a client once, loved Thanksgiving, but always hated life the days after Thanksgiving because mm. there was so much stress and overwhelm and, be, and the family was saying, we got to stop hosting Thanksgiving because you're such a wreck. By the time it's over, it's not worth it. And so my client, I said, "What does it look like? We're going to map out eighty percent Thanksgiving, and we actually mapped it out. And there was just a lot more simplicity. Uh, This one's good enough. I don't need to go to four grocery stores. What does it look like to have you know one grocery store deliver and adapt and." If it's not, if the linens aren't ironed and I use the other napkins that are still pretty, we just walked through, you know, right? This is a very busy right physician who's trying to become Martha Stewart and then some. Right. And when we mapped out the 80% Thanksgiving, she felt so much more freedom going into it. The execution was much better. And afterwards she was like, I should have done this 10 years ago. The people around me would have been so much happier. So it, this tool really does work. The other thing that I noticed that I know you and I have talked about with our physician clients is why physicians sometimes have a hard time getting stuff done at home is decision fatigue. So mm-hmm. I, a lot of my clients will have trouble with clutter in their homes and that to me is directly related to decision fatigue. We know that the brain that has to make important decisions over the length of a day has, there's a fatigue aspect to that and we get not as good at it. And then all of a sudden if you get home and say, okay, now let's sort closets. And then we add in perfectionism. Not only do we sort the closets, but let's find the perfect place to take every piece of clothing to donate from this closet. It's understandable why all of a sudden people like, oh my gosh, my house looks like an episode of hoarders. And so I often recommend to my physician clients, the most worthwhile investment of outside help is to hire a professional organizer because to have somebody else come in and take care of that decision fatigue and let them make the decisions and help to free up the space. A lot of my physician clients aren't actually hoarders. They don't really have the psychological issues of needing to hold on to stuff because of future use or things that create the, the, the stickiness around it. It's, it's the combination of decision fatigue and perfectionism and trying to do it themselves. And they hire mm-hmm. a professional organizer and it's like the skies open up and they're like, oh, this saved everything. So what do you notice... Uh, in yourself or with others around that decision fatigue issue, Gabriella?
0: I mean, delegate, delegate, delegate (laughs) this. It's really just one single word, delegate. You don't have to do everything. And that I, I work with clients a lot on that as well because it it's amazing just that, that, I don't know, what is it a North America thing where we really think that we have to do everything ourselves? Is it that, it's, I don't know, is it particular to women who are dealing with uh, children and work and home, et cetera, et cetera, do I have to do everything myself? No, take the pressure off. And I love that idea. It doesn't have to be perfect. And yes, you know, paper. Paper napkins instead of the ones that need to be ironed, why not? And they can be very pretty, why not? And it, it just to, to make the situation more enjoyable by delegating. Uh, I'm not a plumber, I'm not gonna fix the plumbing, I'm gonna call the plumber, right? (laughs) Or the landlord, whatever the situation may be. And so find ways, and this is one of the things that we work on, is find ways, or how can we strategize here to find ways where there are certain things that frankly, you're not an expert in that other people can support you. And yes, hire that organizer, order the groceries online or have somebody else order the groceries online for you. Maybe there's another adult in the household or or a young adult in the household who can do it faster and better than you can, Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There are ways to create community, which goes back to an earlier point by delegating, by letting go of the need for it to be perfect and trust. Oh my goodness, trust. And that was always a big issue for me, but it's not gonna be done right. It's not gonna be done the way I want it done. Trust that somebody has the wherewithal and probably better than you can to take care of certain issues. I'm not a closet organizer, but Lord knows I love to organize closets myself. But somebody else, my wife, for example, hired a closet organizer to take care of her office space in the home. And we, oh no, I'll take care of it because I, I know what I want. I know what I want it to look like and, and I'll take care of it. Of course, months go by, I didn't get it done. And so she hired somebody. I was like, who's this? <laughs> and <laughs> but she, she, she said, well, she's the one I hired to help me organize this space. And what this young lady came up with was 10 times better than what I could ever think of. I was like, oh, okay. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay not for it to be your idea because somebody else's idea might actually be better. Perfect.
1: So we're going to do a better job, our physicians at home, of letting other people take, you're going to offload the tasks that don't light you up, to bring in other people to do things that supports our community, supports our world, and more importantly, even, or as importantly, uh, frees up space and energy for you to do what you want. We're going to play with that 80% rule, maybe Mm -hmm. even the 55% rule sometimes. Um, And we're going to recognize that things like decision fatigue are real, and that's okay. So instead of fighting against it, it's how do I work with it in a way that allows me to thrive and not just always feel like I'm getting more and more behind at home. So mm-hmm. thanks for the conversation. As always, Gabriella, your ideas oh, thank are you. inspirational and wonderful. And thank you guys all for being here and we will catch you next time. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Amanda Heron. I'm the producer of the doc working podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe. We would also love it if you checked out our website, which is docworking.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Our Instagram is docworking1, and that is with the number one. When you check us out on social, please let us know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Your feedback really means a lot to us. And if you're a physician with a story to tell, please reach out to Jen at jen at docworking.com. Thank you again and we'll see you next time.